Well, good evening, friends. This is Pastor Kevin O'Connor, and this is our Impact Wednesday night service. I'm doing it live from my office because I still am under quarantine for COVID, but I wanted to bring a message tonight. Number one, well, there's two reasons uh, for doing this message. Number one is to get every believer understanding the reason for the season, how our focus at this time must be on Christ, uh, not all these other, uh, I'm going to say, uh, ex external things that Christmas do not uh, and does not have anything to do with. Uh, second reason that I'm bringing this message tonight is so that you can use it as a tool, a a a a uh, a maybe a video that you can play for other people who may not know what Christmas or what Christ is all about. So, twofold reason: number one, to equip the church so that they would focus, get their focus back on Christ at this time that we're in right now, and number two, as a tool for you to be able to share the gospel with other people. Amen. So as we get into this, I want you guys to be uh, uh, reading your Bible through with me. Make sure you're going there and follow along with us because I've got a lot of information. Okay. Uh, glad you got back from St. Louis or St. Joseph, safe and sound, Shelly. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for your word, for your grace, for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, who came and lived and died and rose again to seek and to save the lost. Lord, I ask that you would help us with fresh hearts and fresh minds to get our minds and hearts focused on Jesus, on the gospel of Christ and nothing else. Let the gospel be our drive and let it be the song of our heart. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, friends, we know what season it is, amen. We're in the Christmas season, amen, and, you know, where people are buying presents and people are, you know, hanging, uh, putting Christmas trees up and hanging garland and, and doing so many wonderful traditions uh, that help celebrate Christmas I think so much of it, though, has been so commercialized and uh, we've gotten away from the, the heart of the message of Christmas, okay? Most of the time, if you ask children today, well, what's Christmas mean to you? Oh, it's a time when I get presents. Uh, you ask even adults, well, what's Christmas mean to you? Oh, it's when I spend time with loved ones, okay? And that's a good thing. And I'm not saying that that's not a good thing to spend time with loved ones, but spending time with loved ones is not the meaning of Christmas. Uh, 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 getting presents is not the meaning of Christmas. Uh, St. Nicholas would be absolutely uh, beside himself to learn that people have turned him into something that he was not. St. Nicholas was a, a, a monk who 
worshipped Jesus Christ. St. Nicholas worshipped and served the risen Savior. That's what St. Nicholas would understand that we should be doing. So I wanted to pull your focus back to the Bible, not to tradition, not to uh, 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 things that started much later, but why do we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ? Why do we celebrate Christ's Mass or the Mass of Christ? The Mass of Christ was to remember what the Savior came into this world to do. So my focus in giving you this is to bring your focus, believers, back to the gospel. Why did Jesus come? And then for those of you who may not know what Christmas is about, truly have no idea what Jesus came to do, you don't know Christ, I pray that as you listen to this message, as you watch it, that you will be convicted in your heart to come to faith in Christ Jesus, to put your faith wholly and completely in Him, that, that you would trust Christ for eternal life. That's my hope. That's my goal in this message. So let's get started. I want to start a very familiar portion of Scripture, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start, I believe, about verse 18. Matthew 1. Verse 18, and I'm reading out of the King James because I have it all memorized out of the King James, and you can read it out of whatever one you want, but I, I, want, I will assure you that the story is the same. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her public make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth the Son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now we know this story 
very well, you know, uh, many churches have nativity stories and, and go through the whole process of how Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem because there was a census ordered and, and we know that the prophet said, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, thou art not, thou art indeed the least among the children of Judah, but out of you will come a king. You know, we know this prophecy, and they go to they go to Bethlehem, and there's no room in the inn, and they they lay the child in a manger. And you know, at our church right now, we I, me and my wife just ended up building a manger scene before I went on and got placed on this COVID, you know, uh, lockdown situation that I'm in right now. But we all know this story, okay? And and the first thing that I want to talk about in the Christmas, quote-unquote, Christmas story or the coming of the Christ, the first advent of Christ, the first thing that I want to establish with you is that it is absolutely not a story. It is fact. Jesus Christ really was born of a virgin and lived and was and, and died and rose again. Jesus Christ really did come. So in our first conversation about this story is we're not talking about just a story to make you feel good about how God was looking out for humanity, okay? It's not just a story. It really happened. 2,000 years ago, there were shepherds watching in a field, and a great light shone all around them, and an angel appeared unto them and told them, Behold, born unto you this day in the city of David is Christ the King. And there, while they stood there watching, the Bible says that these men, as they stood there watching, that a great multitude of heavenly hosts began to sing and glorify God, saying uh, peace on earth and goodwill toward men because today salvation has been born. The Savior, Christ the Lord, has been born. These are actual events. This is historically absolutely verifiable that Jesus Christ lived that he was born in Bethlehem, that he lived in Nazareth, that he preached and taught and lived and died and rose again for the sins of all mankind. So as we begin this, I wanted to talk about a few names that we saw in this first part of this. He says, the, when the angel comes to Joseph, he says, you will name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now I want you to understand, this is the biggest, most greatest news in the whole Bible, okay? Greater than physical healing, greater than blessings of money or blessings of favor, more than, more than all the gold that Solomon ever possessed. The greatest need of the human heart, according to Scripture, is that we are bound in sin and we could not save ourselves. And it says that Jesus, the angel that came to Joseph, said, You're going to name him Jesus because he will, he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus, or the name Jesus, Yeshua, or Yahshua, okay? 
the name Yahshua, Yeshua, Jesus, okay, it means the deliverer, the rescuer, to deliver, to rescue. That's what the name means. So him being given the name to deliver, to rescue, was fulfilling the prophecy and it says so right here. This was to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet when he talked about the virgin being with child. And you'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God gives Jesus, through an angel, the name to deliver. And then Emmanuel was laid on him by the prophet. So prophetically, Jesus is God who comes to deliver. God with us who comes to deliver. Do you understand that this is the sole purpose of Jesus' coming and establishing his kingdom? To deliver us from the power of sin. To deliver us from our sin and to create in us brand new hearts. This is a fulfillment of the, the prophet Ezekiel, where he said, I will take out of you the stony heart and put within you a heart of flesh and I will cause you to walk in my ways and to obey my statutes. No one will ever come to God. No one will ever realize the truth of who God is without the help of first God opening their eyes to see who God is. So my prayer is today as we go through this, if you don't know Christ, that your eyes will be opened to see who Jesus is and that you would come to faith in Christ. So we see here that Jesus was sent to save people from their sins. Jesus came to this earth 2,000 plus years ago to save us, not from poverty, which he will eventually. He did not come to save us from all sickness, which he will eventually. But he came, his first coming was to deliver us from the bondage of sin and death. This was his motive. This was the purpose. This was the reason for him coming. Notice that he came to save people from their sins. So the first thing that I would note in here is that he came as a savior. And he gave purpose to what he was saving us from, and it was from sin and the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, which leads to death. And we're going to get into that. I want you to go with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 19, because now we're going to focus on Jesus' words for a few moments as to why he came. Because I titled this the light of the gospel. The light that shone in Matthew 1 was the light of salvation that was available for mankind now. That was birthed in the person of Jesus Christ. That was purchased at his death on the cross. And that was justified at his resurrection that he is exactly who he claimed to be, and he did accomplish exactly what he said 
he did accomplish. So go to Luke 19. We're going to read a short few verses. Luke 19, I'm going to start at verse 1. Jesus entered in and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for, to, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, This was uh, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as also is, uh, for, for so much as he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is, is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, my friends, we have a very vivid picture here in Jesus' own words. Those who stood around Zacchaeus when Jesus told him, hey, I want to come to your house. They said, oh, this guy's a sinner. Why do you want to go to his house? And Zacchaeus felt the conviction of their words, felt the conviction of their accusations, and he stood before God Almighty in the flesh, and he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, if I've done anything wrong, I, you know, I'm going to get here half my goods I'm giving away, and if I've, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusations, I'll restore it to them fourfold. And Jesus immediately responds to Zacchaeus' uh, confession, as it were his repentance, as it were, and says, Today salvation has come to your house because I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus' purpose, spelled out in Matthew 1, being poured out in, Matthew, in Luke 19, Matthew 1 says that he will save his people from their sins. Luke 19 shows just exactly how this worked in Zacchaeus through repentance, through, 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 through confession. And Jesus immediately absolves Zacchaeus and pronounces salvation because he has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And friends, if you're part of those who are lost and may be watching this video, Jesus came to save you as well. Doesn't matter what kind of sin you have committed. There isn't a sin so great that Jesus cannot forgive. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, this is 1 John. In 1 John, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's read another part. 
Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Huh. We could read this whole thing, but I would rather find the spot that we need. Let's go to verse 7. John chapter 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and shall go out. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and give, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own, who owns the sheep are not, seeketh the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep uh, seeth the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catches them and scatters them the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep i am the good shepherd and i know my sheep and i am known of mine as the father knoweth me even so i uh, even so i know, know i the father and lay my life down for the sheep and the other sheep I have which are not of this fold them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd therefore doth my father love me because I lay my life down that I might take it up again no man taketh it from me but I lay it down of myself I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This commandment I have received of the Father. And there was a division again among the Jews for these sayings. Friends, these are hard sayings. Jesus is saying, I've come that these people might have life and life more abundantly. Let's not take that uh, a verse out of context is not saying mansions and cars and money. He's saying that without Christ, without the shepherd, I'm bound in sin and I will never live to the fulfillment, abundant, spirit-filled life that I should be living in without that the good shepherd goes and lays down his life for the sheep that he might call us to his flock that we might be part of his fold because there's going to be one fold and one shepherd we need to understand the gospel was being preached in matthew chapter one he has come to save his people from their sin this is why christ came this is why we celebrate christmas this is why we celebrate Easter. 
the resurrection. We remember the coming of Christ. And then we remember in Easter that he died and rose again to pay the price for my sin. Well, you say, well, I don't believe in the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Well, that's too bad. Jesus taught it and we're going to show you. The atonement is absolutely fundamentally true. Go with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus here, Mark is recording. He says, uh, verse 31, excuse me. And it says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. I could continue with this story, but why is Peter rebuking him? No, you're supposed to come and set up your earthly kingdom right now. This is supposed to be where you sit on the throne of David and you rule and reign. But Peter is missing the fact that he's telling him, I must go and die for your sins, Peter. I must suffer. I must die. And I must rise again. These things have got to happen. We see later on in Acts that this was God's plan from the beginning. Peter says that God sent, uh, had set up Herod and Pontius Pilate and the chief priests and the elders to do according to all that God had planned to do unto Jesus, that Jesus might be exalted as the Savior. Do you understand? This is the singular purpose of, of the coming of Jesus Christ. The, the, the Christmas story and the nativity are, uh, we've turned them into cute little stories to remember, but we also must remember the purpose that the Son of Man came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to save people from their sins. He came to suffer and to die and to rise again. Go with me now to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. I will wrap this up as briefly as I can. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus again, speaking to his disciples, speaking to those around him, telling them, I have come to give my life as a ransom. Remember the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why? Because he loves them. This is the reason 
that God sent Christ. This is the reason that Christ of his own free will chose to to come, to live, to lay down his life and to pick his life back up again. Jesus chose to do this because of his great love for us. This was and is his purpose even today. The purpose of the good news, the purpose of the glad tidings of great joy was that Christ, Emmanuel, had come to save his people from their sin. And now, friends, I want to get into the gospel and what this gospel means and how we should be preaching Jesus at Christmas. We can never get away from the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what Jesus did and the truth that the gospel presents. And this is the gospel. And I want to lay it down for you as clearly and concisely as I can. That all of humanity is suffering in sin and degradation. Ephesians chapter 2 says that while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, that Christ died for us. He died that we might become righteous, but none of us are righteous in and of ourselves. We are all like sheep have gone astray. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 3. I'm going to lay out a case for you. And I want to, I'm going to kind of give you a background. Romans chapter 1 talks about the Gentiles and how all the nations who are Gentiles were sinners and how they, even though they didn't have the law of God, they mocked God anyway because God's eternal presence and purpose and who he is has been made manifest in all of creation. And mankind, even though they didn't have the law of God, are without excuse for knowing who God is because in all creation he's made his plan, his purpose, and his perfect will about himself. He's made it known and manifest in all of creation. Romans chapter 2 talks about the Jewish people and how they were given the law of God. And even though they had the law of God, they still misunderstood the law, misused the law, misused each other, and did not qualify to pay the price for their own sins because they were subject to the law and none of them kept the law. None of them sought God. Paul finds Finally, instead of just focusing on Gentiles and then Jews, he focuses on everybody here in Romans chapter 3. And I want to start at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved that both Jews and Gentiles that are all that they are all under sin as it is written there is none righteous no not one there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after god they are all gone out of the way 
and are together become unprofitable, for there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with tongues they have used deceit. The pollution of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. No, uh, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, and every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now here's the greatest news coming up. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith in Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now I want to stop right there for just a moment. Moment, excuse me. Now there's plenty of people that say, well, you know, uh, Pastor, I, you know, I'm basically a good person, and I, I don't feel like this is really describing me. I'm not really not really like you know the, these I'm not, I haven't committed murder okay well let me ask you a question have you hated your brother without cause because Jesus said if you hated your brother without cause you're guilty of murder well pastor I haven't cheated on my wife I haven't committed adultery really have you not the Bible says that if you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart to have her that you've committed adultery already in your heart you're guilty of it. See, the idea that just the actual act is the problem is where the problem is because the act in itself is not the only problem. The real problem is that, that, that sin has got humanity bound and the only way to escape sin is through Christ. The only way that we can become righteous is through Christ because none of us are able in ourselves to fulfill the requirements of the law. We cannot pay the price other than with our death. So the choice is you believe in Christ or you die a death unto sin and live and spend eternity in a place called hell, totally separated from God, never to dwell in God's presence or enjoy his presence. Do you understand the gravity, the magnitude of why God sent Jesus. Because none of us are righteous. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 64 and 6 says that our righteousness to God, even our very best works, are like filthy rags. They're not good enough. God expects perfection, and you can't deliver. God expects a uh, uh, the, the whole check and your body can't cash it. The reality is that many of us make claims to perfection and we know in our heart of hearts we fall very short of that. 
And if we would search our own heart and our own understanding, we know deep down inside of us that we have a desperate, absolute, depraved mind that says, I know, I know, I know I'm a sinner. If that is not your understanding, please reevaluate Romans 1, 2, and 3 because we are all sinners. We have all fallen short. We have all, like sheep, gone astray. None of us were seeking God. God found us. So we know here in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned. Well, that doesn't sound like that big a deal. Romans 6.26 says that the wages of sin is death, meaning the punishment that I deserve for my sins is death. And if it was left up to me to try to get out of hell by my own works, by my own goodness. Let's just talk about how that would work. Let's, let's, let's examine the idea that you are going to die tonight. And you're going to go stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And then you're going to look at God and he's going to say, did you accept my son Jesus Christ? You're going to say, no, I didn't because I was good enough. I, I just thought I was good enough to get in on my own. I don't need Jesus. I, you know, I'm a good person, Lord. And he's going to say, okay, well, let's, let's examine your good works. And he just starts asking you, how many lies have you told? Now realize you're standing before the all-knowing, almighty God of the whole universe that created all things, knows all things, hears all things, sees all things, is in all, through all, and with all. This God you cannot lie to standing face to face. And he's going to ask you these questions. And remember, you don't have to break all of the law. You just have to break one. Jesus said if you are trying to live by the law, you have to keep the whole law. Because if you break one of the least of the commandments, you are guilty of all of them. So God starts running over your account. You're guilty of this and this and this. And I can see your face as the guilty sentences keeps building up. And you realize that you have founded your eternal existence on a lie that you were good enough. Please don't make that mistake. None of us are good enough. And the wages of one little sin is death. There's only one way to escape paying the penalty of death for your sin, and that is to accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His substitutionary atoning sacrifice where God puts on Christ all of your sin and takes from Christ and applies the righteousness of God under your heart that you might become righteous in God's sight. That's the only way you're going to get into heaven. Jesus died once, the scripture says, for all. I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll find it in a second. 
Now I want you to read this with me. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Now this him that you're that they're talking about is Christ. Because Christ, who had lived a sinless life, who had lived perfectly where you could not, where I could not, where nobody else could, Christ came to this earth on the uh, uh, on Christmas morning, on you know with the, how we celebrate him coming. He came so that he could live his life so perfectly, so righteously. So that he could die a substitutionary death on a cross. That all of the world's sins might be imputed to him. And that all of his righteousness would be imputed to them who believe in him. That they that was consumed and lost and dead in their trespasses and sin were lost in it. This person who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that God would look at us and say, I see your debt is paid. I see your account is now balanced. I see that you've paid the full amount. And it's not because we did it. It's because Christ paid the price for me. He wrote the check my body could not cash. Amen. And he did this, going back to Romans. Go back to Romans 5. We're going to show you that he didn't do this in some uh, moment of your weakness where he finally got through to you. But while you were yet a sinner, Jesus Christ died for you. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was eternally crucified. He's been crucified from the foundation of the world. He came to fulfill exactly physically what had already transpired in God's divine plan. And it unfolded in the person of Jesus Christ. And he had you and you and you and you on his mind. When he was doing it. Romans 5 and 8 says this. But God commends his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. You see Christ doesn't want you to come to him. Uh, when you're perfect. He doesn't want you to try to get your act together. He wants you to understand that you're never going to be able to get your act together. That you're never going to be able to get yourself right. You're never going to be able to, to fix yourself. You're never going to be able to save yourself. This is the flaw of modern Christianity that we think somehow we can save ourselves, but salvation is from the Lord and it only comes from Him. Because you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. You were unable to save yourself. You were unable to reach out to God. He reached out to you. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. His sheep hear his voice. Do you hear his voice tonight? 
Are you hearing the voice of the good shepherd calling to you, pleading with you that you would come and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came into this world to save you from your sins, to, to seek and to save you who were lost? Do you believe him tonight? That's the question. John 3 and 16. We all know this. Most, uh, most of us do. It's very famous. Most famous portion of scripture. We're going to read John 3, 16, 17, 18. Let's read it. For God so loved the world. Friends, I'm going to stop right there. God commended his love towards you, Romans 5 and 8, that while you were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for you. And I'm telling you, if you can, if you can do it for just a second and realize the heart of God as that little baby laid in a manger 2,000 years ago, the heart of God was that this young child would grow up live his life so perfectly, so righteously before God and man that he would give his life as a ransom for sinners, that they would be justified before a holy God, that he would rise from the dead to justify all who believe in him. This is the gospel being preached right here in John 3 and 16. Let's read what he says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And here's the biggest part of this verse, the part you need to remember. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the gospel in a nutshell. God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten Son on Christmas morning. on Good Friday and on Easter morning. This was the purpose. This was the plan. This was the reason for the season that Christ would come and save us from our sins. Now many of you might say, Pastor, I, I, I've never really heard the, the Christmas story told this way. Good, I hope that you've never heard it, and I hope that right now as you're hearing it, it's cutting you to the quick. I pray right now that your heart is burning with inside of you, saying, I must believe, I must know this Jesus that he's talking about. Maybe there's some of you right now saying, I want, I, what must I do to be saved? What do I do, Pastor? What do I do? Simple answer is this. Repent and believe. Repent of your sin. We told you earlier, all of us are sinners. And I told you before that, that if we confess our sins, 
He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. This forgiveness, this grace, this atoning sacrifice that Jesus paid the price for. How do I get it, Pastor? Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now let us read Romans 6.23 in its entirety, because I only gave you half of it earlier. It says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of eternal life is received by faith. You're saved by the grace of God that was in Jesus Christ as he lived his life, died for your sins, and rose to justify you before the Father. You receive that gift by faith. You simply believe that Jesus did that for you. You understand the, the magnitude of the sacrifice that he made. You repent and you say, Lord, forgive me, me, a sinner that don't deserve your love, don't deserve your grace, but thank you. In Jesus Christ, I can still find hope, redemption, salvation, grace, and mercy. It's in him, and I receive it by faith. It's not by any good works that I do, because if it were up to me, I could never do it on my own. And God does not share his glory. He doesn't want you to boast about your salvation because you did it. God wants you to be able to look at other people and say, I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see I was dead and now I'm alive. That's the gospel message. Lastly, in answering this question of how I received this gift, I want to go back to Romans. Pastor, we spent a lot of time in Romans tonight. Yes, we have, because Romans has a lot to say about the work of salvation in the life of believers. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Now here's the verse that you need to remember. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Tonight I wanted to preach the gospel to you. Tonight I wanted to present the reason that we celebrate the great light of Jesus Christ and the light of salvation, the light of grace that entered the world 2,000 years ago. I wanted to preach to you the gospel. If you don't know Jesus today, I implore you to turn your heart, turn your mind, turn your faith, place your faith in Christ. Turn from your wickedness. Turn from your sin. Run to Jesus. Call out to him. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter said that there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. He's been given the name that is above every name. So tonight, I want to pray for you. I want to pray, first of all, for those who do not know Christ. And then I want to pray for those who do know Christ. Let us pray. Father God, I pray right now that as this message of the gospel has been preached tonight, Lord, that you have been moving and, and drawing and wooing and and calling and speaking to the hearts of men and women, God, all over who do not know you. Lord, I pray that you would draw them to a saving faith that receives Jesus Christ and the free gift of God. Lord, I pray that you would help them turn from their sins to confess their sins to you, God, to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would uh, lead them to a church where they can be baptized and I pray Lord that you would fill them Lord with your spirit that they may be empowered to be witnesses unto you that the gospel of Jesus Christ the grace of God that appears and brings salvation to all men would teach them to live their life for Christ Lord I pray that those who don't know you that have watched this I I'm praying God that many will come to saving faith in Christ tonight. Lord, and I pray for those who do know you, who have somehow forgotten the meaning of Christmas, who have let, who have let this season be hijacked and adulterated by all kinds of worldly things. Let their hearts and their minds be stirred anew to see again the gospel in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that these men and women stirred to faith, renewed faith in what they believe and what they attest to. Lord, let them share this gospel. Let them share this message that others might believe. Lord, we ask that you would help us all to continue to preach this gospel. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, friends. I pray that if you didn't know Jesus before this, and you do, if you've come to believe in Jesus in just this short time while we've been preaching, send us a message. Let us know, hey, I watched that video. Hey, I prayed and I asked, you know, I, I come to faith in Christ. I'd love to hear those testimonies. And for all of you who watch this who are believers, 
please share this video. Please make it a point that the light of the gospel would go forth. Amen. God bless you, friends. Share this video, and we'll see you again soon.